Ridgebacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. national parks in one year. And ever since, we've been obsessed with all things National Park Service. This is week five of the 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and an in-depth guide on switchbackkids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired because the national parks are for everyone. Today, we're going back to the early 1900s with the establishment of Crater Lake National Park. Did you know that Crater Lake is the only place in the world where the the Mazama Newt is found? I had no idea. <laughs> it's this little little species that is and um, that's native to the to Crater Lake, also known as the Crater Lake Newt. And visitors could like you have to be kind of lucky to find it, but um, visitors can kind of find them around the edges of the lake. Anyway. Try to find, try to really hard to find a fun fact that you didn't already know because there are some really interesting things about Crater Lake. Oh my gosh! Do you want to share a couple other fun facts? I really do. You should. We wrote a whole uh, blog post about this on our blog, switchbackkids.com. It's called the Crater Lake Oddities because Crater Lake is so odd. Um, we'll probably mention some of the the you know main ones later, but some of the fun ones are um, there's this hemlock tree this hemlock stump basically that has been floating around the lake for a hundred years and it's um and it just like pops up right it's like it it's like it, it floats uh, upright yeah and you never know where it's going to be uh there's a lot there's more of it that's under the water so people are actually able to climb up on top of it or they were before they said don't do that anymore that's not allowed <laughs> um but that used to be a fun like challenge for rangers and visitors and you never know where it's going to be because it moves around the whole lake so it's also a fun challenge to spot uh, what they call the old man of the lake that's the name of the tree okay and then the second uh fun fact is there um this is about what how it was founded Basically, there was a kid in Kansas named William Gladstone Steele, and he was eating lunch uh, that was wrapped in a newspaper, and on that page was a picture of Crater Lake on the newspaper. And he made it his mission out of nowhere to not only visit that lake, but then protect it as a national park. And he was successful on May twenty second, 1902. Yeah, so we'll get into a, a little bit more of the history later, but super interesting park, super, super, it's got some odd things about it, um, but it's most known for, of course, the strikingly blue Crater Lake, which at uh, 1,949 feet is the deepest lake in the U.S., the second deepest lake in North America, and the ninth deepest lake in the world. Whew. Yeah, it's also, it gets lots of snow. It's known for that as well. An average of 42 feet annually. Uh, Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big part of the park story, all the snow it gets. And then also 700,000 visitors in 2019. So it's also a pretty uh, well-traveled, pretty popular 
park, relatively. Yeah, considering it's not very, it's not super close to any big cities, any big hubs. Um, it takes a little bit of effort to get to. Um, but going into the history of the park a little bit, so the the lake itself was created when a when Mount Mazama collapsed on itself. So about four hundred thousand years ago, Mount Mazama began forming as a stratovolcano, stratovolcano, and uh, reached an elevation of, of about 11,000 feet, which is much higher now than anything else around that area. Um, right right now, the, the crater is 5,000 feet deep from the lowest point to the point highest point on the rim, and the highest point in the park is actually not on the crater rim. It's a you know, mountain peak right nearby that you can see the lake from, and that is uh, 8,000 something feet. Yeah, so then Mount Mazama erupted, collapsed in on itself, losing like 2,000 to 3,000 feet of elevation. And then that formed the caldera, which today is Crater Lake. So no streams of water lead in or out of Crater Lake, which is interesting and kind of unique. Um, so the water level is only maintained by precipitation, evaporation, and seepage, which is also what causes it to be so clear, crystal clear. Yeah, so the Native Americans actually saw this eruption happen, and it says one clamath. Yeah, that's how we pronounce that word. I think so. Um Klamath legend closely matches what scientists have discovered happened at Mount Mazama. So they, you know, captured that in their lore. And um, then white people discovered the lake in the 1850s, renamed it Deep Blue Lake. And yeah, it had a couple of different names throughout its throughout its uh, its life, but the locals preferred Crater Lake. So it, Crater Lake is what stuck. And then, like we said, that kid in Kansas read about Crater Lake in a newspaper in 1879, became devoted to the park. He um, participated in some of these, like, scientific surveys of the lake, which would bring scientific, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, data and reasoning for why it should be protected. And he also named several of the park features, like Wizard Island. <laughs> he named Lau Rock. He named Skellhead. Um and because of his efforts and some of his funds, the area was eventually established, like we said, in 1902. Yep, by President Roosevelt. He was a good friend of the parks for sure. Uh, and then shortly after, Crater Lake Lodge opened in 1915, and the Rim Drive that circumnavigates the, the lake on the rim was completed in 1918. Yeah, so it's got a, very, it's got a pretty deep history, this park. And deep well of oddities, too. <laughs> and deep lake. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a bit of the, the history and the overview. Let's hit on how to visit the park now. Yeah, so first we always talk about when to visit and some seasonal considerations. For Crater Lake, there are definite seasonal considerations. It's got a pretty short, relatively short, like, hiking, visiting season. Uh, most people visit in July and August, um, and that's when the rim drive is usually free of snow. Yeah, starting in late June or early July, they clear it out. Uh, they finish clearing it out. And then starting around late October, it gets new snow. So you don't have too long of window if you want to drive 
the rim All drive. the way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, part of the rim drive is open usually around mid-April and closes at the very latest, November 1st, or when the first October snowstorm hits, whichever comes first. <laughs> um, but the park is open year-round, so there are activities throughout the winter. Lots of winter sports, skiing, snowmobiling, snowshoeing, things like that. Um, and in the winter, they really, and the spring, they really work hard to keep the um, drive up to the rim clear as much as they can. Uh, and that's one of the things we'll get to that we benefited from in our visit. So it's yeah, definitely... Yeah, you can visit Rim Village most of the time, almost all the time, unless there's like a major snowstorm happening. Yeah. So the point is, don't limit yourself if you can't get there in the summer. As far as getting there and getting around, um, there are small airports in Klamath Falls and Medford, Oregon. Um, The closest major airport is Portland, which is around four hours from a four-hour drive from the park. You can also take the Amtrak train to Klamath Falls, and there is a shuttle that goes from the train station to the park, so that's another option. Of course, like always, a rental car will probably give you the most flexibility the most um, the the most options to reach some of those trailheads. Yeah, and you know, in the park itself, how it l- is laid out is basically a rectangle. Um, you know, longer north to south than it is east to west. A little bit. Uh, the crater lake is right in the middle, and there are um, three entrances. There's one on the north. There's one on the south. Those are the two main ways to get into the park, and then there's also one on the west. Um, But there's really one, you know, there aren't that many roads to choose from when you're going into the lake. Basically, you get to the rim, and you can drive around the rim, and then you can go out the other side. So that's probably your basic path if you want to hit all the pieces of the park. Um, And hopefully you can stay, you know, a couple days in between there. Um, yeah, but, if you want to hit some other parks while you're in the area, there yeah. are a few other National Park Service sites around, including Oregon Caves, um, Oregon Caves National Preserve. Preserve, yep. sorry. <laughs> Lava Beds National Monument and Redwood National Park, which is in Northern California, not too far. Um, now, where to sleep? So inside the park, there are two lodges. One is like a lodge lodge and one is cabins. Um, And there are also two campgrounds. One is called Mazama Campground, which is also where the camp cabins are. And Lost Creek. And that one has 16 first come first serve sites. And it's tents only. Uh, And it's a little bit out of the way. But also outside the park, there's plenty of options, uh, both, you know, little quaint B&Bs, but also what we took advantage of, lots of national forest land where you can do dispersed camping or probably find campsites um, just in the area. Yeah, and speaking of our trip, so we'll move into that section next. So because our trip had some special things to it. We got a little bit caught off guard, I think, when we were visiting, when we realized that the whole road was going to be closed. <laughs> yeah, when you're uh, doing, you know, at the time, 59 national parks in one year, 
you can plan for the beginning ones, but very quickly you fall behind and you're just kind of taking things as they come. So at this point on our 39th park, uh, we were not necessarily able to plan too far ahead. So we realized the rim drive was very closed, um, but we made the most of that because we decided this is going to be the time when we try cross-country skiing for yeah. the first time. Yeah, and this was April 2016. So April is pretty early in the season, pretty solidly spring. Um, but there were there were definitely some winter sports going on. So we rented skis, cross-country skis, from Mazama Village Lodge area um, and brought them into the park. And it was interesting. <laughs> we, we didn't realize how difficult cross-country skiing was going to be yeah. in a... In a, we kind of thought the rim because you can you can ski around the rim, and we, and thought, we kind oh, of that thought that flat. might be pretty flat, but yeah. it wasn't too flat. No, <laughs> you're you know you're not skiing right on the rim edge. Thank goodness the whole time you're kind of going up and down the hills on the side of the slope, and uh, we made it a decent ways, if, especially for our first time. It was a, I had a great time actually. It was super fun watching Elizabeth spill it all the time. <laughs> Um, I realized, you know, on my first hill that like, it, how do you stop these things? Um, they're not, you can't pizza as well on skis that are double the length as downhill skis. Um, so yeah, learning experience. It was what I preferred more was the other activity we did, which was the Ranger program, the snowshoe program. Um, which was really fun. And those are free. And we did a lot of those throughout the spring in different national parks. Um, and it was so entertaining. Do you remember how fun this one specifically was? I do. Where we got to climb up that big hill and then slide down on our stomachs. Yeah. Um, just the ranger made it really fun, which was good. Other than that, we just kind of, we we walked around the rim a lot. We walked around Rim Village. We went to the visitor center and learned about the park a little bit more. We watched the movie. Things like that. Yeah, we also just got, got to... At the, you got yeah. a coffee at the lodge, really enjoyed that. I really did enjoy that. The Just sitting up in the in the uh, like second story of the visitor center, there was a really good view of the, the lake. And we just enjoyed relaxing, warming up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's still great views, um, you know, from the rim that you can walk up to. Uh, and it's just so pretty with all the snow around. Like the, it was really uh, breathtaking. Like it adds so much to the purity of an already uh, pristine lake. And I think we got unseasonably amazing weather both days we were there. Yes, it was so clear, so blue, which made the lake just pop. Like looked so fake. Like looked like glass across the lake. Yeah, because, and I didn't realize this till I was researching for this podcast episode, in the winter season, when there's all that snow, it's actually 50% of the time you can't even see the lake because it's clouded over. So definitely allow yourselves a few days in the area if you're going in the off season, especially to get the view of the lake because that's the whole point. Yeah, it is. So moving into activities, um, now this is kind of like, for us, what we might do when we go back, I would say. Um, But for must-sees, you've got to see the lake. you got to spend some time around the lake uh, from different angles. So spend a little bit of time at the Rim Village area. There's a little self-guided tour you can do there to learn a little bit more about the park. 
The Rim Road Scenic Drive has 30 overlooks. And there are a lot of hiking trails that also give you different views of the lake. Yeah, and it's really this focal point, obviously, is the lake. So make sure you just take your time and admire it from all the angles, um, not just the one right uh, at Rim Village. You know, I've heard Watchmen is really a beautiful angle because you're right close to the Wizard Island. Uh, then you can see it from the other side at places like, um, you know, the the Cleetwood Cove Trail. Um, right, and that's the trail that takes you down to the lake. That's the only trail that takes you down to the lake where you can get in and swim. Um, so if you're interested in doing that. Now, I think a must-do would be the boat tour if we go back. I would absolutely want to do the boat yes. tour. I heard from a lot of people that that was one of their favorite things. There is a ranger on board for the boat tour. You do have to hike that one-mile trail down Cleetwood Cove to get to the boat. Um, but I've heard it's just a really good angle of the lake and really cool to get up close to some of those little islands. Right. And, um, you know, you can, like, like Elizabeth said, you can swim uh, while you're there. You can also, on Wizard Island... If you take a specific boat tour, the normal boat tour, uh, there are eight of them during a day, and it takes two hours to just go around the lake. But two boat tours during the day, you can get off on Wizard Island and stay there for three hours. So I assume you would just pick that one particularly, and they probably fill up uh, soonest. But if you can get that tour, then you can just hang out on Wizard Island. You can swim a little bit. You can do a 2.3-mile trail there and climb up to the top of the little mini cinder cone. Um, So that sounds... That that would be the one I would try to do, is get that Wizard Island stay. Um, Also, if you are swimming, remember it's 57 degrees... Yeah, it's not, it's it's more like waiting, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, so be prepared for that. Um, You can also fish, uh, another thing to mention. And um, if you're fishing, you actually, one really cool thing about the park is you don't need a fishing license because all of the fish are invasive because they brought them in specifically for people as a tourist attraction. Uh, And now they kind of want them gone, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you could try that out too. Yeah, as far as a few of the hikes, just if, if that's something that's on your list, which it probably should be, a few of the hikes that we read about, um, Mount Scott Trail, we heard from a few different people. That was, that's just amazing, amazing. Um, it's five miles round trip, tallest point in the park. Um, Cleetwood Cove, which we've said a few times, is 2.2 miles round trip down, pretty steep down to the lake and then back up. Yeah, about 700 feet down. And then Garfield Peak Trail, I've also heard, is one of the more popular, probably for a good reason, (laughs) trails, which is 3.4 miles round trip. Yeah, and out of those, I've heard Mount Scott comes the most highly recommended. It's the tallest point, as we mentioned earlier, and it's got really good light the way it hits the lake in the morning, uh, as well as wildflowers um, in mid, mid-July. So. so the last must-do I will always mention is to learn about the park. Take a little bit of time whenever you visit to stop at the visitor center, watch the park movie, There's the Rim Village Visitor Center. There's also the Steel Visitor Center. If the Rim Village Visitor Center is closed, I think the Steel one becomes like the headquarters. 
Um, there are plenty of free ranger programs. There's the boat tour, like we mentioned. There's also a trolley tour, <laughs> which goes around the rim, which could be a good option if you decide to take the train. Um, if you don't want to rent a car, you, there is a trolley that goes all the way around the rim. And um, that's run by a separate concessioner, but there is also a ranger on, on the tour. So we rattled off a lot of things there. Let me recap the must-sees. We have views of the lake from all angles, go on a hike somewhere, uh, learn about the park, of course, and then take a boat tour, if at all possible. So a few other favorites that people mentioned, we were we just crowdsourced a little bit from our Instagram at Switchback Kids. So if you ever want to weigh in on a future park, please do that there. Um, people said... There were, I think, two or three people that mentioned Mount Scott. One of them specifically mentioned it in the evening to watch the sunset over the lake, Mm. which I thought was another interesting lighting situation. Somebody said the boat tour. Someone said snowshoeing. Somebody said driving the rim loop and hiking down to the lake. Uh, Someone said jumping in the lake after hiking Cleetwood Cove. Um, And somebody said, which I think sounds really cool, is to ski around the rim, uh, taking three days to do that. I'll um, get to that one So later. that one sounds like a big adventure section. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you guys gave some really good, really good experiences. So it's making us a little bit um, thinking we need to go back. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and now let's talk about some secrets of the park. So number one, a trail you might fly right by is Godfrey Glen Trail. And that is a one-mile loop, and it comes right after uh, Mazama, Mazama Village, in between Mazama Village and Rim Village. And people probably just go straight to the rim you know, for the main attractions. But this, you know, I saw online, was a really nice, easy uh, hiking trail that got you actually really pretty views of an area called Annie Creek Canyon, as well as Dewey Falls. So check that out for just a little something different. Um, then Watchmen, you know, we heard a lot of people talking about Wa- Mount Scott as their favorite, but nobody talked about Watchmen, which one ranger mentioned in a post I read, they that's their actual favorite place in the park and favorite view of the lake is from Watchmen. And it's a 1.6 mile round trip, easy 420 foot gain. And, um, you know, just gives you the best of the park. And then the third secret is Pinnacles Spur Road. So we've talked a lot about the rim drive, but one of the spurs off that rim drive is, um, ends up at a place called Pinnacles, and it goes by Lost Creek Campground. So again, that is not a very trafficked area with only 16 campsites. Um, And then you can keep going all the way to the edge of the park to a place called the Pinnacles, and you can get out at Pinnacles Overlook and do a little tiny trail. Um, And apparently, we didn't get to go there, but there are 100-foot pinnacles of rock and they were caused by the ash, right? I didn't know that. I think I read that that the the that's how the pinnacles were formed was from the huge amount of ash that was spread 
all the way, actually it made it all the way to Yellowstone, the ash from this wow. eruption. And that's part of, that, that developed like this interesting soil that um, helped create these pinnacles. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me at all because this uh, volcanic eruption that we talked about at the beginning that formed the lake was actually six times greater than that of Mount St. Helens. So this was a gigantic thing. Um, Okay, back to the secrets. The last one, after Pinnacles, Spur Road, is biking. You can bike at the park, and there are actually vehicle-free days, two Saturdays a year. They close the road to vehicles, uh, or East Rem Drive, actually, and um, because there's West Rem Drive, which is a, like a smaller, like a third of the rim, and then the two th- another two thirds is East Rim Drive, um, and they close East Rim to vehicle traffic, and bicyclists and pedestrians get the opportunity to enjoy 24 miles of scenic roadway without vehicle noise or traffic. Uh, so that sounds just super pleasant. A lot of parks do stuff like that a couple times a year. So really recommend, uh, if you can time it right, hitting that biking day. Yeah, so now moving into the family section, Crater Lake, like a lot of national parks, is is a great place to take your family. They do have a junior ranger program that you can complete at the park, or you can complete it virtually right now if you're doing some, you know, distance learning and looking for something different. Um, The boat tour, like we mentioned, would be good for kids, but I will say specifically it's, you have to be ages three and up for the boats. And I think it's because of some of the like wind and slightly rougher or potentially rougher waters. Interesting. Yeah, I did read that. So I wanted to mention that. Um, Plus swimming. So swimming might sound like a super fun thing to do with your family. But I will also mention that I read that you cannot bring any of your own life jackets or anything like that. So it might be more of like a waiting situation. But kids kids. never (laughs) seem to care about the cold water. So that's true. They can handle it way better than me. I tell you what. That's true. There's also something interesting at Rim Village. They have a scavenger hunt, which is for all ages, especially there's one that's specifically for school age kids and it it combines things in nature and specific places in the park that you can find with your family. Yeah. That's I mean, uh, next time we go back, we'll probably be taking our whole family. So. Exactly. Um yeah, excited. Okay, now the big adventure section. We already teased the two pieces of this that I wanted to mention. But first of all, biking around the lake. Um, It's 33 miles, give or take, around the Rim Drive. And you can, um, you know, that's a really great day challenge to get all the way around the lake. Um, If you really want to challenge yourself and you're a hardcore cyclist, you can do it three times and do a century ride around Crater, Crater Lake. Um, the second thing also has to do with circumnavigating the lake. That is the cross-country skiing um, or snowshoeing around the lake. And in the winter, that is 31 miles, 32 miles if you take the avalanche bypass routes. And um, 
you know, this just sounds so cool to be out there so far away from people in pristine snow going around the lake. Um, mostly, most often it takes three or four days and most people travel clockwise. Um, and as we mentioned, you can rent equipment outside the park. And the cool thing is you can camp anywhere as long as it's one mile from the plowed road. So basically anywhere. Uh, and it's a hundred feet from the rim. So that would just be, a, first of all, a really big challenge for me at least. And something super cool, um, and different to try. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a fun thing to have to put on our list. You can come. I Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You have some Q&As. Yes, we got a couple of questions. One of the questions we got was, what's the best airport to fly into? Which we mentioned there are two small airports, Klamath Falls and Medford. And the the closest international airport is Portland, which is about four hours. Um, But this got me thinking about a really cool open jaw road trip you can do if you fly in to Sacramento in California and work your way north through a few different national parks, Lassen Volcanic, Redwood, and then Crater Lake, plus some of those other NPS sites. Yeah, maybe uh, Columbia River Gorge. Yeah, end up in Portland, fly out of Portland. So that just got me scheming up a, a really cool Pacific Northwest sort of Oregon road trip, which would be awesome. I like it. Okay, question two. How much of the park area does the lake make up? Um, So the whole park is 286 square miles. The lake is five by six miles across. So, you know, if my math is works, that's about 30 square miles um, if it's, you know, a, a square. And, um, so it doesn't, you know, looking, that doesn't sound like a lot. If you look at the map, it certainly looks like it takes up a good About 10%, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it looks like it takes up about 10%. Um, I will say that tech, like, like math wise, yes, but in spirit of like, how much does the lake mean to the park? It's like. It's all about the lake, right? There's not a lot to do outside of the rim area. It's not like it's in the name or anything. (laughs) Um, So that does bring up a point that this is a bit of a smaller park, at least compared to the ones we've talked about so far. You know, Yellowstone, our first episode, it was, what was it, 2.2 million um, square miles, or acres, sorry. And this one is... 200 uh, or, or 100,000 something. About 186, I think. One, yeah. 186,000. Yeah, so think about acres. that scale. Um, Yellowstone is over 10 times bigger. Yosemite is also a lot bigger at uh, um, like 761,000. So that's you know, over six times bigger. Uh, or not six times, five, yeah, four or five times um, bigger. So this is a bit smaller, at least than the ones we've talked about so far. And it feels like that too. It's, you know, there's not, this park feels more doable, I guess. We, We were there for two days 
Um, and for in the winter, that was enough for us because we weren't going all the way around the rim or anything. Um, I think in the summer, we would want something similar, two to three days, to do a few good hikes, a boat tour, maybe do something a little bigger, a longer hike or something like that. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like you can you can do it, like you can tackle it, and it doesn't feel too overwhelming. All right. So those are yeah great questions. Keep the questions coming for future parks uh, at Switchback Kids on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Uh, now let's get to something to think about. Last section here. Um, what I want to think about and just kind of um, honor or or you know give tribute to is the fire. Uh, and the fires are out west, particularly. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to this after 2020 and this crazy year. But right now, the fires are uh, in the west are just historic proportions, especially devastating in Oregon for Oregon communities. So, first of all, our thoughts are with people out there, and um, you know, it's just so um, heartbreaking to see the devastation. It's also weird lives. to talk about these national parks and share pictures where the skies are bright blue and and like revisit our time in the park, which was kind of happy-go-lucky when all of this is going on right now. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Yeah. It, for instance, they just closed Yosemite, you saw, uh, because you can't see anything. And the hazardous the air quality yep. in the West. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, you know, all of that said, you know, the fire is a huge piece of the West and of the parks, and it does serve, you know, a purpose of regenerating the land, but can also be obviously very destructive. Um, it, because of that danger, fire bans, you know, are very common in many parks, and in particular in Crater Lake right now, there is a ban on all fires. Uh, even there are specific rules for if you're a smoker, how you um, you know have to make sure you have an ashtray in your car. You can't take it outside your car at all. Um, so just take those fire bans really seriously. You know, check before you get to a place what the fire restrictions are going to be, and this goes for any time. Uh, any time of year, any place you go, it's good to know, you know, especially if you're one of those um, groups that really loves to have a good campfire. Um, Also, the second piece I'll mention is that Crater Lake right now is at a level one evacuation notice for the entire park. Um, And that level one means be ready. There's three levels and I saw it say, be ready, be set, and go is the third level. So right now it's just be ready, but they're you know, making sure everybody is aware that if fires get, get uh, closer in the area, they might have to leave at a moment's notice. So that went into effect September 10th. Um, and... Yeah, it just makes me think, you know, overall, the fires and the situation make me think that we just have to cherish these, um, cherish these parks at every opportunity because things, you know, most things in this world are 
not last, not going to last forever, and you never know when they can change. Uh, you know, change permanently too. So um, just think about that. You know, r- remember to um, take fire bans and precautions seriously. And, um, you know, also, I guess we would also be remiss in mentioning that, um, you know, the the effects of climate change and how this is just another impact of climate change on the national parks are these um, horrible fires. So with all of that said, I hope something to think about doesn't always turn into a downer. It wasn't last week, at least. No, we've we've shared some success stories, too. I think this is just reality right now. Yeah, yeah. So um, with all of that said, you know, we I feel like we've covered a lot of Crater Lake, covered s- some of the great history and oddities, the activities, our time, uh, some questions. So, uh, yeah, we thank you guys for joining us today uh, as we revisited this fifth park of the U.S., Crater Lake. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, switchbacktidkids.com, or our social media, at switchbackkids. Tell us what you liked, what you want more of. Send us your questions for future parks. And, yeah. Next week, we'll be leaving the Pacific Northwest and heading into South Dakota to visit the country's sixth national park, Wind Cave. So until then, switchbacks out. out.